0: Welcome to San Diego Sessions, episode 33. We're here in the studio today with trumpeter Curtis Taylor.
1: san diego sessions san diego's jazz podcast featuring local artists new releases and more here are your hosts ian tordella and ed Kornhauser.
2: Hello,
3: good morning, good afternoon, good day. We hope you guys are doing great out there. This is San Diego Sessions, episode number 33. I'm your host, saxophonist Ian Tordella. And I'm your other host, pianist Ed Kornhauser. And today we have a very special guest. You may know him already. He was on a couple of my favorite episodes, episode number two with Matthew Smith, and he appeared on episode 10 with Kamau Kenyatta. Uh, He has a Great, warm, inviting sound. He's a trumpeter, educator. He also appeared on a Grammy Award-winning album with his collaborator, Gregory Taylor. Gregory Uh, Porter. uh, (laughs) Gregory Porter. (laughs) I was doing so great on my intro with Gregory Porter. (laughs) It's our guest, Curtis Taylor. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Uh, But before we get into the interview, and before I make any more Agree, uh, egregious, egregious errors, swaps <laughs> yeah. name swaps ah, it's too early <laughs> yeah too yeah early. Uh, I have some questions for Ed this is uh, our our segment away. called this versus that so these are two jazz musicians or possibly public figures of note again because those two cannot be the same thing <laughs> and Ed will have to pick one and only one so hit me I went to my home base today saxophone players mm. all right first up Alto player whose sound was broadly influential. He had his, his own original tone. Paul Desmond versus a tenor saxophonist who was known, well, especially for his Duke Ellington at Paul Newport. Gonsalves. Yes, yeah. Paul
0: Gonzalez. Um, I think I'm going to go Paul Gonzalez. It's so funny. Paul Desmond is funny to me because I think his alto tone is perfect. It's angelic. It's pristine. It's the ultimate, but I don't like it. <laughs> oh, man. It's it's like it's too clean. There's nothing wrong with it. It's so good, but I don't like it. It's weird. He was a great improviser, and but I have something about like, yeah. I like his sound, but um, he yeah, he's a but cute. Paul
3: Gonzalez is so original. Like as a player, when I sometimes I hear him on the radio, and I'm
0: you know just on KSDS, and I'm thinking, who
3: is that? You know, I've heard that. Who is this tenor player? And it's, it's Paul. But then again,
0: so, you know when you when it's Paul Desmond, you know it's Paul Desmond. You have no doubt about that. True, his tone. true. Yeah. Okay, He's one of the very clear clear <laughs> dudes. They both were kind of trendsetters. I just like the latter. Next up, this is a clash
3: of the the eras: alto saxophonist Benny Carter versus tenor saxophonist James Carter.
0: Oh, I think our guest would have something to say about that.
4: This is your guys' segment. Well, this is true. <laughs> this is true. Uh, I, I know, would.
0: I, I know would. you played with one of those guys. Yeah. Is James Carter from Michigan? It was Benny, actually. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, it was Benny. Yeah. Well, he, did, he didn't die
4: that long ago. No, it was. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I actually. Yeah, I played with him. Um, he's from Detroit. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, I played with him. It's a funny story, actually. How J- I met James, James Carter, Carter we're too. talking about here, just to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. It's a funny story, actually, how I met him. Um, I met James at a jam session at Baker's keyboard lounge. This had to be like I don't know, 03, 04, 05, something crazy like that. And um, you know, man, just a young, confident kid, man. Like I heard him I heard him play. And um if you any if you know James, like he's always like fitted in like urban apparel. So he had like Yeah he has jersey. crazy suits too. Yeah, yeah. but he, but this time he was like urbaned out man oh, like yeah. a fitted cap. Like, you know, Jersey, like, you know, like all of the whole, like he looked, I promise you, he looked probably like 21 or like 23 or something at the time. Wow. And so he was killing, obviously, <laughs> but I walked up to him after the set. And I was like, man, you sound great. You know what I'm saying? It was like, "Like who you study with?
3: Oh, yeah. He didn't recognize <laughs> who he was. <laughs>
4: I said, who do you study with? He didn't even dignify that with a response, man. And then later, I found out that it was James Carter. I was like, all right. Oh, oh, that's was... how I met James Carter. <laughs> but later, I, I got an opportunity to work with him. So I guess yeah. I didn't completely kill a... He
3: probably thought... Well, at least it was memorable. Right. Have you, you ever read that article... How James Carter Ruined My Life. No, I didn't know there was an oh, article out there. That's like a great that. article. It's about this really good tenor player, I guess he was also from Michigan, who went on tour, was on tour with a big band, and, and James Carter was in the band. And uh, our cat is attacking Curtis. Yeah. Uh, cat wanted some love. It's a, it's a yeah. really funny editorial, but the guy was playing lead tenor, and James Carter was 15 or 16, and he was playing second tenor. And they were also sharing a hotel room, but James... Like slowly the band leader started giving all the lead tenor solos to James Carter. Aww. And this guy was like in his late twenties or something. He was he was oh like, dang it, this kid is stealing all my is stealing my gig. Wow. But he said that James would stay up, you know, till two or three in the morning listening to a walkman and like trying to figure out he was like, I just gotta figure out this one last lick before I go to sleep and you know, just Practicing hardcore, yeah, and he can play all
4: of the instruments with the same range. It doesn't matter if it's like contrabass saxophone. I've seen that video. Or of him. sapronino. Yeah. it's like he has the same range on all of them. It's it's crazy.
0: Yeah, and you you got the chance to tour with him a little bit. I did. Uh, on a 2008. Tour.
4: Yeah, 2008. Wow, uh, it was my first time out, and um, yeah, it was it was an experience. Not only because I was playing with him, but also. I was going through like some serious like trumpet problems at the time, man. It was like, imagine being on tour. And then I had just like started studying with uh, Professor William Fielder at Rutgers University. And um, like, yeah, like my embouchure was changed and like, it was just conceptually, like I was still trying to get stuff together and I was kind of like having to work it out in front of an audience. And it was, <laughs> so it was it was fun. It was a, It was fun, but it was also like,
0: Kind you know. of a nightmare too. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So, you guys did a European tour, and I think it ended with like a week at Yoshi's. Is that right? Yeah.
4: Well, there were two two separate occasions, um, and actually, actually, I had to, I had to turn down. Well, maybe I'm remembering wrong. I I think the first the first time we did the gig together, it was like the connection was with Cyrus Chestnut, mm. and we had did Cyrus had put both of us on a gig together. I think it was in South Carolina, and so after that gig, he asked me about you know, going on the road with him for this little tour run he had. So, you know, at that time it was cool, like trumpet wise, it was cool. But then after that, I think it was the fall, that fall uh, of 08, I started um, with, um, you know, started doing the aperture changes and stuff like that. And that was when I think we might've went out and did something at Yoshi's or something. And it was like, you know, I was going through it then. And then, but surprisingly I was still, you know, getting through it and they actually the the european audience really loved my playing with the band and so uh they asked me to do another month in mean, october it was like a whole month or a month and a half wow. and i had to turn it down because the school wouldn't honor it they said if you mm. if you leave for that long then you're gonna have to repeat the semester or the whole oh, school year man. yeah so i couldn't do it yeah because I, w- I i didn't want to be one of those cats i was like let me just get the school done and then i'll be free to you know tour but yeah i don't looking back on it i'm like uh, i don't know could have missed
3: you know? that one semester yeah, yeah I, I don't, don't know.
5: know
4: maybe i should have did it but
0: yeah i don't okay all right this all has right. been our <laughs> biggest um tangent into ter- this early in the podcast oh well sorry <laughs> that's no. cool no it a good tangent. let's go I'm... on
3: some more tangents okay the last one <laughs> this is another detroit centric question although i forgot that james carter was from michigan yep uh this is a, a baritone saxophonist who had a broad influence on on baritone saxophone and just the sound of cool jazz, and I love his arranging. He did some of my favorite arrangements that are on on the record Birth of the Cool. Jerry Mulligan, knew, of course, yeah, versus pianist uh, and one of the great female voices in jazz who tragically died at just age 60,
0: Jerry Allen yeah. mm. from Detroit. man. I'm gonna go with Jerry Allen. Yeah, Jerry Mulligan was was all those things you say about him were cool. He was great, great improviser, and definitely like shaped a whole school of jazz, you know, a whole era of jazz. But Jerry Allen's playing was so inspired, and it just it 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 reached me a lot more. And mm-hmm. I got to see her once actually perform, so I was really grateful for that. Yeah, definitely going to go Jerry Allen.
4: What do you think, Curtis? Uh, yeah, man. I mean. That makes sense. I don't. I don't really know a lot of, of uh, Jerry Mulligan. We're both of them, really. Um, I don't know their work like really intensely, um, but I mean, I've actually, you know, in my jazz appreciation course that I taught, you know, actually we we spent a little bit of time on on Jerry Allen, and um, and she's just an amazing composer and really so underrated, man. It's yeah. just like, you know, like she was getting to some pretty serious stuff yeah and um you know yeah it's it's a shame really enjoying her playing especially
3: in the last 10 years or so yeah we were compositions are yeah we really lost
4: we really lost somebody great and kamau actually grew up with her and they were like you know friends and yeah so you know i'm sure he had some great stories about jerry allen
0: we gotta have him back on the stories he did he did relate to us were all kind of fantastic donald bird yeah yeah <laughs> he had some fun <laughs> donald bird stories
4: man he's like an iceberg man he has so much he's so many layers man underneath the surface bro like it's crazy
3: right on well that was this versus that and curtis has a new ep out it's called #Hashtag. and we're gonna kick it off with a track it's called hashtag paper chase
4: oh yeah it's your boy ct this one for my people on that daily grind, going after that money, that moolah, that dinero, AKA paper. This one's called Paper Chase.
3: paper chase or rather hashtag paper chase from our guest Curtis Taylor. We're back on San Diego sessions and don't forget you can follow us on Instagram at San Diego sessions podcast. Um, but yeah, Curtis, I was digging it that taking it out with the trumpet solo. Oh yeah. The harmonized.
0: Right. Oh yeah. trumpet soli. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
4: Right before that. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah, oh right. sure. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely some, uh, Roy Hargrove, RH factor action.
0: <laughs> and, uh, as, as you gave, just to reiterate, although you did give a shout out to him that featured uh, guitarist Paul Castelluzzo,
4: yes, sir. Yeah, it's a bad cat, man. Residing no. in L.A. now, I believe.
0: Yes, but San Diego zone. He is a uh, he's he's killing it. I've known him since he was about like seventeen or eighteen. And, oh wow, which wasn't that long ago. I know, man. This like, is
4: nuts, man. They keep getting better, younger and younger, man.
0: Yeah, and as you said, like social media zone, because he's kind of he's blowing that up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is uh, hashtagged. Or forgive me, is it hashtag hashtag? How do you say? That? Do you so say it's hashtagged. Hashtagged, EDG. right? Mm-hmm. Is the name of the record, right? Is this your first album as a as a leader?
4: Yeah, well, it's my debut. Um, you know, I'm on a lot of other people's records, obviously, but I wanted to kind of get something out into the marketplace, um, and then something kind of that would be um, really cost efficient, and something that I could kind of you know put together my that would sound good, like you know, so. I was like, why not, you know? And then I, I came up with this hashtag concept, and I was like, well, wow, let's do it, you know, let's run with it.
0: Did you record the record it yourself? Or? I
4: did, yeah, yeah. I produced all the music, all the instruments on there, obviously, except for the guitar. Uh, but everything else you hear there is, uh, you know, what I worked out inside of a program called Reason. <laughs>
0: really? Yeah. Oh wow! So all nice. that's all that's you? Yeah. Wow! Except yeah. for like the featured yeah yeah you do feature like a lot of different exactly
4: yeah on each track I'll, i'll feature an artist uh for most of them a few of them i'm not but for most of the tracks i'll feature you know different people and then um you know but i create the tracks myself from scratch
3: so we were talking about the well obviously the social media aspect of this and so many people are networking and and trading tracks whether it's just on like jam of the week or or people Mm -hmm. are saying oh here's my track play over this and send it back exactly Um, yeah how did you come up with the concept for this whole record
4: really really out of that um i wanted to i was i just saw i call them like service gaps so like I, i saw like i was like hmm i like this hashtag concept and you know like on social media you can create a hashtag And people can follow the hashtag and see all of the media that's associated with that specific hashtag. And I was like, what if we took that concept and like provided sound like a sonic, you know, Mm. type of thing for these hashtags. So when you type in hashtag love, now you have like this kind of sound that's associated with hashtag love. So and, you know, I mean, what's cool about it is hashtags are you can just, you know, oh, you can yeah. put a hashtag in front of any word you want. So, like, you can essentially, I can keep creating, you know, volumes and volumes if I want of of, of this concept, which is cool. And it actually is, is turning into a whole different project. So, like, this band... You know like live will be called hashtag live and there's a couple of videos on youtube and vimeo right because you uh,
0: do you do perform this stuff live. yeah yeah and it, and
4: it converts really well live i was actually surprised how well it converted live i'm like i want to record a record now nice. of all of this stuff live you know yeah so it's, it's really cool because it turned into a whole different band you know
3: yeah so for the recording, while well, we're talking about networking, did you did you send tracks back and forth to people like Paul or did they actually come down to yeah, track Yeah, in the so
4: I did for most everybody except for um, there's a spoken word artist named Kendrick Dial that's on the album on uh, hashtag Black Lives Matter, which I think we'll listen to later. And uh, he came by my house and recorded. But other nice. than that, you know, I just sent the tracks, you know, to, to everybody. Oh, and I went by uh, Steph Johnson. I went by her her place cuz she lives so close. Yeah. So I went by and recorded her vocals and, you know, and then
0: uh yeah, the rest is rest is history. Who uh who performs with you when you do this live?
4: Uh it, it varies, but I was able since we're here in San Diego, I was able and I did the CD release here, I was able to kind of like get most of the the people that were on the album. Yeah. So, um we did the city release February 1st here, the CD release party. Um, and I had pretty much everybody that, you know, uh, was featured on the album, you know, in some type of way, um, uh, be a part of it. So it was pretty cool. Very cool.
0: And this definitely is set apart from, uh, your basic straight ahead stuff. Oh so, yeah, for yeah. sure. By leaps and bounds. So like what, what, in what ways did you try to create a record that was set apart and different?
4: Yeah. I wanted it to be accessible because mm-hmm. I figure, I figure, like, you know, maybe, you know, I I love the groove side of stuff. I love R&B and neo Soul. I really resonated with that music. So first off, you know, that's what I'm listening to, too, in addition to the straight ahead jazz stuff. So I wanted to create something that was in that vein and that would be palatable and listenable, you know, for, for people that dig that type of music. But I think it's also a good, like, marrying of the two worlds because obviously with the uh, instrumental component that exists on, um, on the record, uh, you know I'm kind of marrying the two worlds together to create this product and honestly I've been doing that live for a while now you know taking yeah. taking songs and um, you know either placing them over like a hip-hop beat or whatever it's just kind of what is current right now I mean you got your Robert Glasper, right Terrace Martin you know even some of the Herbie stuff I mean you know Kamasi Washington all these guys yeah. that's what they're doing you know that's kind of like what's what's happening that's where the sound is now
0: and there's an element of like post production in there yeah. too not just what we what we play on the tape is the music but now we can shape it right
4: that. and you can make it what's great about this is like you can do this most of this yourself and you can make it really clean. You can come out with a really good, clean-sounding product for like minimal amount of money. <laughs> that yeah, was yeah. that was my main goal. You that know? is a well, huge thing. So yeah, like studio, I don't have yeah. a budget really to do this. You know, like I need to get something out. <laughs> you so you yourself,
0: like, dare I say, we're on the paper chase. Yeah, exactly. Well, Studios has
3: been revolutionary for bringing costs down. But oh my god, yeah. I mean, I was talking to a friend in New York about. Uh, I don't probably shouldn't mention names, but about one of the major like young jazz piano players out there and I asked him like, Oh, did the my buddy works for the publicist and I was like, Oh, did the label help him with the recording costs or whatever? He said, No. Uh this dude, he dropped twenty or twenty five grand into the record to get it recorded himself and Jeez. then the label just puts it out. So and Jeez. that's totally backwards as what it was 15 years ago, you know. That's brutal. Um, yeah, that's a lot of, of money. Of course, then you don't have to re- reimburse the label for the cost cuz it you right. was your own money, but <laughs> mm. <laughs> but right. it's crazy to think like what jazz player really has 20 grand to put into a record. Right. You know, I'm hoping to put out records for Two grand Jesus. or less, right. like, right, and hopefully still pay the guys something. Oh, exactly. <laughs> but, I'm, having to, I'm having to buy a car now, so that right. I'm gonna put my money into that. Yeah, right. You <laughs> yeah. gotta get to the gig, right, exactly. But you were saying earlier, bring it back to your, your record that I mean, this this doesn't come out of left field because you've been incorporating those neo soul and hip hop influences even into your, like, I'm using my air quote unquote uh, air <laughs> quotes, even on your straight ahead gigs. Like when yeah. you play at Dizzy's, you, you really like to mix it up yeah. and bring in. Those like when influences. I first came to
4: town I would um, I, I had a residency at Prohibition and um, like we would be playing um, like what would I I would use uh, flashing lights Kanye West mm. flashing lights mm. like to open and close every set you know like little stuff nice. like that I would be I would do that all the time you know so this isn't like it's not like really like oh my god he's doing something you know new but plus yeah.
0: I, I've always said this and this is sort of a crummy analogy plus it's the crummy analogy because I can never quite remember <laughs> <laughs> but what you're gonna say the it anyway. Type, the, what's the blood type that's a universal donor? Is it O? O, right? o is it O positive or O negative? I can I never remember. remember. I gotta write this up. O so something. Yeah. Well, I think that's what jazz is. You know, it goes with everything. You can take it and you can mix it, and it goes into it, and it makes it cooler and different, unique. It goes. It just jives with just pretty much anything. Hmm. From hip hop to, if you, you could probably fuse it with Argentinian pan flute music, and it would be interesting. You know, maybe hmm. not. But, all right but you know something like it works with everything
4: yeah well, you know a lot of people come from different backgrounds different ethnicities and they bring those cultural influences to you know to how they approach jazz
0: music so exactly yeah. exactly it's yeah. it's 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 really cool to hear like jazz spoken in so many languages
4: oh yeah oh yeah. yeah and gospel music for that matter I mean, if you check out gospel music man like the way the harmony moves it's like classical jazz it's its own thing it's got so many it's pretty you know there's elements of a lot of different musics there like that work synergistically to like make you know make that music work it's pretty pretty cool actually yeah
3: yeah and it's kind of evolved along that same timeline as as jazz, mm-hmm. although started probably started earlier. But yeah, well, so, we I mean,
4: can you go got, back to like you got that. like blue, like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, depending on you know what you credit as the first thing. But you know, I mean, it gets deep. You got the field hollers and cries and stuff like that from slavery times, you know, which like I guess turned into blues and and gospel, and then you know, yeah, and all kind of, of yeah. all that
3: American music kind of started at yeah. the same time, like
0: yeah. blues, jazz. Yeah. Gospel, and yeah. then you know that bl- yeah bled off into different kinds of jazz, and then blues became right. rhythm and blues and rock and roll. Rock, yeah. and, you know, yep. it all just yeah. Man, we could do a whole other podcast. Yep, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so you talked about moving from San Diego, where or to San Diego. Where are you from originally? Originally from Cleveland, Ohio, baby. Yeah, right yes, on, sir, yes sir. And you went? Did you under undergrad at Michigan? In Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan State, Michigan State University. A kind of dumb question where is that As in east lansing michigan oh that's yeah that's right i know someone who was johnson really yeah erving uh-huh.
4: magic johnson yeah that's that's his home
0: and you you moved from there to new york right to go to rutgers yeah or well, new jersey yeah rather. new jersey, jersey. Or right next door yep <laughs> um did you when you were starting out your musical career though did you start in with jazz or did you start somewhere else and kind of start to get into the jazz afterwards in Cleveland or or, just when when you were starting out period with music.
4: Yeah. When I was starting out period. Yeah. I mean, um, I was fortunate, you know, music was still in the schools, uh, when I was coming up as a kid. So, uh, I went through the regular band program like everybody else. But, uh, by the time I made it to like seventh grade, uh, we had a jazz band at our school. And so that was kind of like when I first started getting into, to jazz and, you know, what it had to offer
0: it's clearly taken you very far you wound up at in at Rutgers in Jersey and of course I'm sure you made forays into New York as well when you were there
4: oh yeah yeah I have some fine memories in in uh in Michigan and I got a lot of family there I go back there often
0: oh nice yeah um you did you stay in New York after you graduated or was that when you moved out to California
4: no so um basically the timeline is in 2003 was my freshman year at Michigan State University, so that's when I was in Michigan. From 2003 to 2007, I graduated. Um, and then that you know right after I graduated, I moved to uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey, which is where Rutgers is located, to get my master's in 2007, and did two years there. And I stayed in Jersey for most of that time up until I came out here I lived in New York for kind of like one year, New York proper, and bounced yeah. around. Uh, but then, at the beginning
0: of 2014, is when I came out here. Nice. What brought you to California and San Diego?
4: Come on, come on. Yeah, I came out here in 2013. At the end of 2013, actually, um, around my birthday, we were doing a recording session with um, a young vocalist named Mimi Klein. Hmm. And, oh yeah, heard some of those. Yeah, yeah, some really nice stuff. Yeah, and he—I mean—he hooked her up, man. He got some Munyango Jackson's playing percussion on it. Oh and wow, it's like oh. you know, it's just <laughs> like, like here's a good cat. band for you, yeah. right? Yeah. So he hooked it up. So, but that was like my first, you know introduction really to southern california and i was like wow it's 70 and sunny and it's not nice. bad yeah especially you know? if
0: you've been living east coast yeah for a while so
4: i'm like man you know those summers man those platforms smell like hot garbage man
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh boy <laughs> I'm, so, yeah oh. you get down
3: to like the second level underground yeah. of the subway it's oppressive
4: it, it's, it's like not only <laughs> the heat is oppressive but it's just like it stinks man it smells really bad <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you so. moved you moved to San Diego, to to work primarily with Kamal. Yeah,
4: start working with Kamal And I just really wanted to see what the West Coast had to offer. I mean, quite frankly, um, you know, things were, like, okay. Uh, but, but ironically, my best year was probably the year I left. Like, 2013 was probably the best year I had. So I guess if I would have stayed there, you know, it could have potentially got better. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Something just told me that. I was like, you know, it's kind of time to – I mean let me see what the West Coast has to offer. And it was it was a big, you know, it was a ballsy move to do it because yeah. I completely had to start over. I knew two people here, you know, oh, like God. Tell, Yeah, yeah I knew like Richard, it. uh Kamala, yeah. yeah. And uh no, three people and I knew of Gilbert. Like I knew I kind of had met him when I was younger, but I I didn't, you know, I didn't really know those guys. So that was like it. That those those were the only guys I knew
0: here, you know. That is yeah. a big step. Let's move to a new... Was it like a toss-up? With toss no up? steady, like, yeah. anything on the other end, man. I'd be terrified. Yeah. Was it a toss-up between here and L.A., or did you just always want San Diego? Well, yeah, I
4: didn't even think about L.A. because I just knew this is where Kamal was, so I was just like, all right, well, you know, he's my point of contact, so I guess, you know, San Diego it is. Yeah.
0: yeah.
3: And quick, quick plug, of course... Uh, one of our favorite episodes so far is episode number 10 with Kamau Kenyatta. I bet it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some great stories on that one. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say, I mean, I think New York or just the East Coast in general is, is getting tough for everybody, even the, the yeah. so-called bigger artists. I mean, people think, oh, this guy's touring in Europe all the time or he's on this record label. But a lot of those guys, you know, struggle to to live in New York or in Boston oh, yeah. or wherever yeah
4: so. cost of living is ridiculous yeah and it's just super crowded man yeah. people per square inch is like I don't know if you look it up it's something ridiculous people per square inch there it's like nuts
0: yeah I'm I, I've become quite content with living out here mostly for quality of life <laughs> yeah. I like it I wanted to visit says, it says Ed who's from, from here <laughs> but, but I've been in other places he's like I, I was... wanted
3: to leave but then I came back yeah I wanted <laughs> I
0: wanted to leave and then I'm like I, I always figured I'd move and then the more the older I got I'm like nope the quality right. of life
4: is 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 a real thing man yeah. I mean as you get older man you're like you know what the heck man it's like right. I don't have to deal with winter anymore come on man! Great. it's a no-brainer
3: yeah it's perfect I, th- I mean i think a lot of musicians are have been moving to different different markets like you know uh la of course and yep. seattle and nashville and yeah. even san diego so
4: and with the advent of social media now you can create career you don't even you can be like in some random like take somebody like jacob collier i mean yeah i mean he's up all of all of the world? i don't even know <laughs> no. i don't even oh, he's know from Lund- he's from england, england. yeah, yeah. But, but i'm just but saying yeah. like he built his entire career. I mean, granted, I mean he's a ridiculous talent. Yeah. But I mean, he built an entire career off of social media. Exactly. You know, and now he's like, what? He's got two two Grammys and, yeah, I mean, he's like,
3: bonkers. It's, it's nuts, man. Yeah, it's oh, all the, those British guys always coming and stealing our Grammys. Yes.
0: The, the, <laughs> your location is no longer, um, you know, that important yeah. to a certain extent. To we, a certain extent, of course. Yeah. And um. One of the other people uh, you hooked up with out here, up here, was of course uh, Gregory Taylor. I mean Porter. <laughs> Gregory Porter. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I had this. We're brothers now. <laughs> We're in the yeah, family. Right. And you, you got linked up, <laughs> with Uncle <him>. Greg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got linked up with him via Kamau. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
4: well, actually, but we did the recordings in New York. So Liquid oh. Spirit was done at um, Seer Sound Studios. Uh and what is that 2013 or whatever we recorded that and then his first recording water which i appear on was also done in new york in brooklyn
0: wow yeah god those are he i remember listening to those records for the first time and i'm just like this guy's something else this guy's i've been i was hooked
4: his lyrics though the lyrical content is just it'll blow you away
0: yeah and he is i've saw him uh what was it it was last year at some point. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, he his stage presence is amazing. Just the way he talks to the crowd, mm-hmm. the way he sings, the way he interacts with the band, he is he's on another level. Yeah. Um yeah, that was a that was truly one of the best shows I've ever been to.
4: Did you guys get the opportunity to interact with him when he was here?
0: No, I've never I've never met him.
4: I missed that last show,
3: but no, yeah, I haven't
0: met
4: no,
3: him. No, I mean when he was actually
0: here. No, I oh,
3: oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, because it's so early. <laughs> no, actually, I I did meet him, and back in the day, I used to go to the Onyx Room Tuesday night jam with a really good bass player named Chris Meese, who uh, wow, now Chris lives in out here? yeah, oh yeah, wow. he lives in New York, and he he worked Manages. for a long time with the Jazz Standard, but now he works for some other uh, another an agency. Yeah, yeah, I Chris, met Chris yeah. at
4: Oberlin. Oh, like, uh, yeah. In Cleveland, that's weird. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. I didn't no, know. Yeah, there. actually,
3: I encouraged him, and some other people in town were like, You should go to school, man. So, you know, we used to shed together before he we went to Oberlin. Um, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, we would go to the Onyx room, and, and I remember Greg would come in there, and it was when, I think, when he first gotten really into jazz and, and into singing. So, but yeah, we used to see him down at the Onyx room. But he's a big guy. I mean, he used to play football. That's what how his college career started. So, yeah, you you see him out there. You are like, can this guy sing? oh, oh you're yeah, like you are talking about, Gregory Porter Yeah, Gregory yeah, I was Gregory like, Porter. Not I was Chris like, Chris, Chris Mees too. Wow, both no, Chris dudes. is wow. little. <laughs> yeah, I was like, both dudes. Wow, uh, the thing. no, no. Uh, Chris Mees was out here. He was just studying with with Magnuson, but yeah. but Gregory, yeah, great singer. And he used to do some of the vocalese like John Hendricks type scatting oh, stuff. Yeah. And he would ki- he would kill it. It would it would be amazing. Oh, so
4: man. Wow. that's some hip stuff too, man. Yeah, it that was vocalese really cool. stuff
3: gets really deep, man. Yeah, like. And he did it authentically. It wasn't like some
0: a gimmicky thing. It was it was nice. So, yeah, it can be when it when it's like a deep subject matter and you're singing about it, but it's over like a jazz melody. I love that. When it's self referential jazz, like when it's it's one of my I can't stand. It. You know, if it's like and Miles came in and he did this, and Coltrane came in and he, I, I oh boy. Yeah. This is this is too much for me. <laughs> this is too meta for me right now. But then like like um, uh, in walked Bud. Those lyrics. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: but then you know you hear some of the great. I'm going to do it. a show and, and put you on it. And we're going to do all those all, tunes, all vocalists, and you can do the background vocals, or
4: even just lyrics in general, man. I mean, I mean, you guys are going to have me on record saying this, but man, the lyrics, the song from my father, are terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, have you ever checked those lyrics? I've, just go check those lyrics out, man. They're not well thought out at I'm, all. Oh so, my God, I'm they're so, terrible. I'm so I'm sorry, whoever no, wrote those it's
0: lyrics. It's <laughs> always it's always tricky when you're writing them after the fact. Yeah. Like every now and then they're good. The lyrics to uh, "Reflections" mm. by Monk. Mm. So whoever I don't know who wrote those lyrics, they're great. And it's like, wow, that was a total disconnect. Like somebody just wrote lyrics to this tune after the fact, and they're good. They fit. They fit in really well. But then, yeah, that one's kind of, kind of bad. You know
4: those lyrics? You you hear to them? Uh,
0: that I've, that
4: I've, was my I've father. I've heard them. I think yeah. I, I wrote them a out. song for my father in hopes it would give me a thrill. Uh, it's the first line.
0: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No. We'll okay. leave it there, guys. Uh, I have to,
3: like, I have an idea for the gig though. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to compose lyrics to all the Ed Kornhauser songs mm. and then we'll get somebody to sing them and we'll put you on the gig. Oh, perfect. But they'll all be se- self-referential to local San Diego musicians. Uh So, I'll I'll call you when it's ready. Uh, I'm cringing. Okay, back <laughs> I'm dying inside. Back all to All right, our you can edit that out whatever.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Song for my father's great. <laughs> oh, <dude. laughs>
3: Um, why don't we hear some more music All right, yeah let's drop into another tune uh, before we go into the break this one is hashtag love could you give us an intro on this one CT yeah
4: this uh, this features the great vocal sounds of vocalist Steph Johnson yeah and uh, that's really all you need to know I mean I think think everything else uh, is said there I mean she also wrote these lyrics and they're amazing lyrics so check it out
6: Spin.
3: I'm Rob Thorson, and you're listening to San Diego Sessions. Listen online, wherever you get your
1: podcasts.
7: I'm Mandy Jo, and here is your jazz forecast for April 9th through the 15th. Monday, April 9th, guitarist Louis Valenzuela hosts his regular Monday night jam session at Rosie O'Grady's in Normal Heights from 9pm to midnight. No cover and it's 21 and up. Tuesday, April 10th, the Havana Jam, an Afro-Cuban and Latin jazz jam session kicks off downtown from 8pm to midnight at Prohibition. Wednesday, April 11th, the Allison Adams Tucker Quartet plays a concert at the Rancho Bernardo Library at 6pm. Admission is free and all ages are welcome. It's a salsa doubleheader at Dizzy's with Charlie Chavez and Afro Treco, plus the Mission Bay High School Mambo Orchestra, under the direction of J.P. Balmott. Music starts at 7 p.m. Cover is $15 or $10 for students. Trumpeter Gilbert Castellanos hosts his regular Wednesday night jam session at Panama 66. Listen to the best jazz San Diego has to offer right in the middle of Balboa Park. Music is from 8.30 to 11.30 p.m. Come early to see the Young Lions play from 6 to 8 p.m. featuring up-and-coming musicians from around the city. Thursday, April 12th. Lorraine Castellanos and friends play some jazz, Latin tunes, and other favorites at Panama 66 from 6 to 8 p.m. Then you can head over to the late-night jam session at the Ken Club, hosted by saxophonists Robert Dove and Ian Buss. Music is from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m., and there's a $5 cover, but musicians get in for free. You must be 21 or older. Friday, April 13th. Flautist Lori Bell is joined by longtime collaborator, guitarist, and vocalist Ron Satterfield and pianist Melanie Grinnell at the Handleria Hotel in Hotel Circle from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. No cover and your parking is validated. The Friday Happy Hour is a regular series put on by Holly Hoffman, so stay tuned for more great jazz. Lex and the Jewels play at Panama 66 from 7 to 9 p.m. Gilbert Castellanos presents Jazz at the Westgate, an intimate series in the Plaza Bar at the beautiful Westgate Hotel. Music is from 8 to 11 p.m. Over at the U.S. Grant, pianist Mikan Zlakovich and his quartet play from 8 p.m. to midnight. Saturday, April 14th, the Matalban Quintet plays their unique fusion of jazz, post-punk, minimalism, and other genres at Panama 66 from 7 to 9 p.m. Also in the park, pianist and saxophonist Kamal Kenyatta and his trio play a set at the San Diego History Center from 7 to 9 p.m. Afterwards, they open it up for a jam. Admission is free. Saxophonist Christopher Holiday and friends play at Dizzy's featuring pianist Joshua White, bassist Rob Thorson and drummer Matt Smith. Music starts at 8 p.m. Cover is $20 or $15 for students. Also on Saturday, pianist Mikan Zlakovich and his trio play at Wildwood Restaurant and Bar in Vista at 8 p.m. Vocalist Allison Adams Tucker plays a set of springtime favorites at the Westgate Hotel with pianist Irving Flores and drummer Kevin Higuchi from 8 to 11 p.m. On Sunday, April 15th, singer-songwriter Erica Davies and her group play at Panama 66 from 6 to 8 p.m. No cover. You're listening to San Diego's only jazz podcast.
1: You're listening to San Diego Sessions. Subscribe on iTunes or listen online at DirtyBoulevardRecording.com.
3: And we're back here on San Diego Sessions. This is episode 33. We're coming to you almost live from Dirty Boulevard Recording (laughs) Company in a secret location outside of downtown San Diego, California. I haven't had my coffee yet, so I'm almost dead, to be honest with you. And we heard hashtag love featuring Steph Johnson. And right under the jazz calendar, we heard hashtag blessed featuring one of my favorite vocalists in town, Deneen Wilburn. Uh, And once again, our guest is Curtis Taylor, uh, but real quick, we will get in our, our plugs here. You can follow us on social media and see pictures and videos, extra content on Instagram at San Diego Sessions Podcast. Also check us out on Facebook and please subscribe on iTunes. And if you're feeling uh, feeling great, give us a nice review. Click that five stars button. Right. And if, and if
0: you're feeling not so great, just leave that alone. And if you're feeling and not you great, don't
3: even go near the iTunes. Right.
0: You, you could send us
3: hate mail if you like. Uh. Wow. Or if you like to be a actually, if you like to be a guest on the show, or if, we we love to hear comments and suggestions of how how to you know do what we do better because this show is is for the listeners. So you can email us sd sessions podcast at gmail.com. And now it's time for our weekly segment. The San
0: Diego Seven with Ed Cornhouse <clears throat> Here we go. Yeah, this is the uh, this is the San Diego Seven. Uh, these are seven rapid fire questions. They're, oh my God, they're, they're not really that rapid fire. <laughs> okay, uh, but, <laughs> that we'd like you to. I gotta cut that part. Uh, that we'd like you to answer from the top of your head, top of the head, and the bottom of your heart. All right. All right. Sounds good number one no easy in no (laughs) No. (laughs) that was good number one what did you have for breakfast this morning
4: i didn't have breakfast yet yeah neither did i yeah
0: uh i feel you in fact my stomach's not super happy about that yeah mine either yeah cool uh number two what was the first jazz concert gig experience you ever saw
4: uh, I can't remember the first that I've ever saw, but I do remember the night that I decided to to play this music. And that was a concert that featured um, my soon to be teacher. He wasn't my teacher at the time. Um, Steve Enos, uh, Tri-C trumpeter. Uh, he's the head of the Jazz age program there at Cuyahoga uh, Community College. It featured him, another uh, soon to be educator at the time, Ernie Krivda. And a group called Swing City and the featured artist they, that they had playing with them that night was John Fattis. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, it looked like they were having a good time. And so, you know, I was like, all right, sign me up for this 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 jazz thing. Nice. I think I want to do this for a career.
3: Right on. I mean, John Fattis guy sounds all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all
4: right. It wasn't really the playing, though. It was just like the interaction on stage that actually really drew me in because they looked like they were having fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Number three, what's one musical rule or guideline you think musicians often forget? Sort of like an stage thing. I mean,
4: mm.
3: don't, vibe.
0: don't vibe. All right. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, that, that's, that's
4: a tough one. I mean, the first thing that came comes to mind as soon as you say that is communicate honestly. Mm. Like you know, that's always what I find myself trying to do when I'm when I'm in my when I'm having my best moments or the best moments are happening on the bandstand and everything's working, it's because everybody's trying to make music in the most honest fashion. Nobody's trying to show off. Nobody's trying to, uh, you know what I mean? Like none of those preconceived things. We're literally just engrossed in like trying to make that moment happen the way it should happen musically. So,
0: Cool. I think yeah. that's a great. That's great. That's a great rule. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you
4: know. I've had I've had a lot of those experiences out here too, man. It's been like, oh man, like this is so great. Yeah. Like everybody's like getting it right now, you know. It's, it's I love those moments.
0: Me too. Uh, number four. This is a this is kind of like the beginning with the two people, like this versus that.
4: Mm, okay. All right.
0: This versus that. I'm nervous. Uh, Dana Stevens, or Dana Owens, the drummer, Dana N- Owens. Oh wait. No, no. Actually, I meant I, I meant uh, Queen Latifah.
4: Oh, Queen Latifah. Okay. Um, oh, I wasn't
3: hmm. hip to the, her real name. That's a real. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's her
4: real name. That's her real name. Sneaky. She did that. Uh, she did no, that. No, I'm thinking of. I'm thinking another Dana. I don't think his last name is Owens. Anyway.
0: Yeah. Um. Hmm. It's a tough one because they're not even really in the same. Well, I know. They're, they're pretty. <laughs> eh. I'm is gonna she, have to go with Queen just because of <laughs> like, it's she's so classic. I, I mean, know. like. And
4: I've just been watching like Hulu just added like Living Single like I don't know if you ever guys anybody ever watched that show like back in the nineties but I've been watching that a lot lately so it's kind of like she's like top of mind right now so right, right on but Dana's my man though oh yeah of course yeah. <laughs> obviously we've recorded together yeah. great great human being ridiculous tenor player
0: super great yeah we the two of us. Um or you and Dana and, mm. and myself and the, the guys mm. from the Matt Smith trio did a record together. So that was super cool. Got a San Diego Music Award off of it too. We did. Woo-woo. Well we got a San Diego we got a nomination anyway. Oh we didn't win? <laughs> no, we didn't win. I thought we won. Sorry to break it to you. Oh, oh man. man. <laughs> 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 right here on the podcast. Oh man. Wow. 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 You have Sorry, it here, dude. folks. Sorry, dude. Well, we got we got a nomination. It was cool. It's a good record. Wow. Um this is number five. This is another this versus that. Iconic. Electric bassist Marcus Miller, or iconic Detroit trumpet player Marcus Belgrave. Marcus Belgrave. Yeah, I figured you go that way. Yeah. Come on now. And I kind of, I kind of tend to agree with you. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Come on. I mean, just for a lot of reasons, though. But I mean, he he was such a he was such a selfless educator. If you think about how many people he mentored in the time he was there. I mean, especially like early in his career. I mean, this cat was playing a pile of trumpet on a ventilator toward the end of his life. He would literally be at sessions with like his air tank and tubes and stuff, you know, and oh still playing trumpet wow. and still playing a pile of trumpet. So he could have easily chose to like do touring and not be in Detroit and not mentor. And like, but I'm sure he's like single handedly responsible for you know the nurturing of so many people i mean jerry allen will be one of those people included um yeah. regina carter every you know a lot of people you know yeah, i mean dozens. just yeah you know so when you think about w- if he had his hand in that many people's like you know success i mean it's a it's a no-brainer you know
3: well said yeah so and you did marcus miller Last week, so I'm w- interested who Marcus Miller is going to go up against next. <laughs> <week>. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean I did Marcus Miller last? Or the week before?
0: We didn't even have one
3: last week. Oh, that's true. A couple Ooh, of weeks ago, Marcus Miller has been in the rotation. Oh wait, he's he's, sh- he's on Ed's mind. Are you sure? Yeah, because remember I said so and so never played on a Luther Vandross album, but Marcus Miller did. Oh, ah. But Ed, for our listeners, Ed's giving me a hard time because I always say iconic. Oh, yeah. But I, I'd like to make note that today I did not say iconic no, I did, dur- during did not. this well, somebody that. somebody had to do it.
0: <laughs> so, uh, number six. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite compound lift? Oh, working out now. Yeah. yeah.
4: Gonna have to go with the bench press. Go with the bench yeah. press. Classic. Classic. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Ed's favorite I, compound list is just lift, lifting his piano into his back
4: of his Subaru. You're not wrong; that is actually, <laughs>
0: although no longer the Subaru is toast. Yeah, the um, Subaru is finally gone. How long have how long have you been lifting?
4: Uh, Starting 2008. Um, shameless plug: I actually have a, a ebook called "Warning: Contents Under Pressure May Change" huh. available on Amazon and at Lulu.com. Um, and I was a personal trainer for a little while, but man, I was literally over 400 pounds in my adolescent years and you know this whole diet and exercise thing has changed my life and so yeah I started I started really seriously working out and weight training and cardio and all of that in 2008 but even before that when I was in my undergrad I had started making dietary changes and started becoming more active and lost some weight and stuff like that
0: Oh, that's great, man. Boy. And
4: now, actually, I don't know if you guys are hip to it, but I started a an IG called uh, Fit for Music. It's actually at Be Fit for Music. Mm. So it features musicians that are, you know, invested in a healthy lifestyle, doing something fit. Wow. So yeah, yeah. Go follow that. That's nice. cool. Yeah, that's way cool.
3: Yeah. Well, plus, and I'm sure you talk about this in your maybe in your book. I can't remember, but if you're if you're a guy who's into shedding and really practicing. Mm-hmm. Then it's it's can be a fun transition to do weights because it requires the same kind of focus. Oh, and like sure. Mental. The three line through
4: anything that you're trying to be great at is discipline. Yeah. So once you learn discipline with any one you know modality or whatever, you it, it could be basketball. You're a great basketball player. Then you can apply that consistency and that discipline to whatever you want to excel at in life. It's really because of music that I was able to be successful and lose you know over 180 pounds. You know, because of, I knew what it took to be disciplined enough to, you know, put the work in daily and, you know, yeah, like, that's, you know, before this podcast, I was on the Stairmaster, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, So that's, that's how, that's how we roll. All right. Number, Number
0: seven. Eight. Number seven. Number seven. And this is now just a, just a, just a random one. We retired bacon. <laughs> Number seven. Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> it's open ended. It oh, the question could be whatever you want. Uh, I admire his
4: his just ability to just the you know people. I don't know. I don't even know how to phrase this, but just he he really believes in himself. He, <laughs> yeah, he really
0: he, that's true. He yeah.
4: unequivocally is just like like listen. I'm here. This is what it is. I'm the greatest. Deal with it, and there's something to be said for that. I mean, like, there's something to be said for when you really believe in what you have to offer so strongly that you know you just don't care. Like, you just like, look, you know, I know what I'm doing is great. So, I mean, I'm loving it. I'm, lo- I, I love it. So that's that's what I take away from him, man. Just complete confidence, complete belief, and completely sold on what he has to offer the world.
3: All right, and that was the San Diego Seven with
0: Ed Kornhauser and our guest Curtis Taylor. So Curtis, you've got a, a bunch of dates coming up. I do. Yeah, you're doing a interview uh, for CSU Dominguez Hills, and what's what's that on?
4: So it's called uh, the show's called Jazz in the Modern Era, and it's a um, a cable access program that is featured on uh, la la thirty six dot org. And um, also on some local local you know uh, stations in the area and Dominguez Hills area, and uh, the program is great. It takes place on campus of CSU Dominguez Hills, and features uh, he features different artists every week uh, in the studio, and he also ties that into like some theme of uh, the jazz greats or legends or whatever. Wow. Um, you know, like last time I was on his theme was brass cats, and so he was featuring like the music of. Miles Davis and Chet Baker, and, and other guys, you know, nice. other great trumpet players and trombonists. Nice. So that and comes then you'll have uh, me play in the studio, you know, oh, sorry. with a band. So up.
0: nice. Yeah.
3: So that comes out April 17th, and you can actually hear that on la36.org on the internet. And then right after that, also, you're at, you're at one of my favorite clubs in LA. Uh, I lived in Hermosa Beach briefly, but you'll be at the, oh, light, the nice. legendary Lighthouse Cafe
4: with you know. Charles Owens. Yeah. Charlie oh, O. Okay. Yeah, nice. yeah, it's cool, man. Um, you know, if anybody knows anything about The Lighthouse, I mean, it's historic. I mean, everybody's played there. So that energy yeah. still exists there in that room. And and I'm grateful every time I get to, you know, share the bandstand in that place with somebody.
3: And actually the same woman still books yeah, it, who Gloria, booked Cannonball, who booked wow. everyone. Gloria Kadena. Yeah, yeah, Gloria. Wow. I was there just for a... She's so nice. I was there watching Doug Webb and a couple other people, Doug Webb, the tenor player, and... She came up to me and my friend was like, what do you play? Are you a sax player? What? And, you know, she And she was almost asking me to get in touch with her, but she had no idea who I was, but she was such a cool lady. I mean, I was just like some guy watching the gig. Hmm. But I mean, first of all, that she was at the gig, because mm-hmm. a lot of club owners aren't out there. No. But yeah. But then it dawned on me, I was like, wow, she's the one who, who booked all those shows. So Elvin Jones, Cannonball Adderley. So.
0: Coltrane played there too. At the Lighthouse? I think so, and yeah. Probably, I think
3: everybody did who hit the West Coast, so. Yeah,
4: I mean, and I, for me, you know, being a trumpet player, I mean, come on, Lee Morgan live at yeah. the Lighthouse. Yeah. Man, oh, yeah. Come on, you know.
3: With Benny Maupin, yeah. Harold Mayburn, yeah. yeah. I love that record. Yeah. That's, I, I almost have memorized all the banter he says with the crowd. I know, right? When he's announcing the band at the very end. Keep he, in mind, yeah. this is a live recording.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, I am went up, the only time I've been was to see a... Uh, uh, you know saxophone player Med Flory, he led that group Super Sax. Yeah, yeah. And then uh car- trumpet player Carl Saunders, they did like mm. a live like afternoon recording session there mm. that I went to randomly mm. with my with my brother like fifteen years ago. Mm. So I'm on that I'm on that record, clapping. So and so <laughs> <laughs> a, I just wanted to you're say, a say special guest. <laughs> I'm a special guest.
5: Clapper.
4: Man, there's some random record, a Charlie Parker record where literally. Like, they play the whole tune, and on the last chord, like, a trumpet player. There's no trumpet on the whole tune, but on the last chord, like, the trumpet player plays a note. Like, it's like it's almost like they needed that note for a voicing or something. And they got,
0: like, hey, you played trumpet in middle school. Come here. You right. Know, like it was
4: hilarious, man. You're like, where did this trumpet come from?
0: This is totally random, but uh, on the Miles Davis, I can't remember if it's the My Funny Valentine album or the Four and More, because that's the same concert, but, like, that out that double album there's one really loud from the audience after miles does something cool one of them does something cool yeah there's a you could hear him and bill cosby claims that that's him Uh he said that many times that that, that that's him going
4: yeah even the commentary that miles has on some of those outtakes i gotta pee i gotta piss black red i gotta pee all right.
0: So sorry, and uh, to get back on the gigs.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, so uh, Curtis, you're actually you're gonna be performing with this the group from this record, or you're it's called hashtag Live, right? Or is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the hashtag name of Live. That's
4: on, the name of this. It's converting the hashtag album into the experience live. So that's the that's the band. Hashtag live. And yeah. you're
0: doing that May 4th at 8 p.m. at Mediterranean Jazz and Supper Club mm-hmm. right here. In- and that's
4: opening for Mike Phillips, the great saxophonist. Uh, if if you're familiar with like the R&B and the pop world, he's done work with um, Prince and Jill Scott. Oh, wow. And a number of other people and obviously under his own name. And he was like the first instrumentalist to get a, a contract with Nike or something like that. It's crazy. Huh. Weird. Yeah, Wow. Yeah.
0: And that's uh, it's May 4th at 8 p.m. And you're also, uh, a few days after that, on May 18th, 19th, and 20th, performing with Kamau Kenyatta and the great saxophonist Charles McPherson.
4: Yeah, it's going to be great.
0: Yeah, with uh, as a collaboration between jazz and the San Diego Ballet. Mm-hmm. Kamau, I believe, talked about that when he was on the podcast. Yeah,
4: and he's going to be premiering some new music there, so I can't wait to see how hard that's going to be to play. <laughs> <laughs>
0: did, uh, did Kamau write all the music for it?
4: Yeah, well I don't know if all the music we're gonna be playing is, is original that he written he's he's wrote, but I know he was specifically commissioned to write, you know, some something original for it. So
0: Who else rounds out the ensemble?
4: Uh probably the usual suspects. Um Richard on drums, Richard Sellers, Mackenzie Layton on bass, myself, Charles nice. and him. That, I w- I would guess, yeah.
0: That sounds like a great thing. Have you ever done any collaboration with a with dancing or ballet before? Uh, actually, they have this series at the White Box.
4: Um, oh yeah, I did yeah. one of those. I did one of those too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but I've I've even done it in the past. Um, you know, I can't remember exactly when, but yeah, I've done it on you know, on, you know a few different occasions. And
3: uh, yeah, and finally for the end of May, you're going to be at the Merck, which is a great room in Temecula, on May twenty fourth. Uh, of course, you can find out more uh, on the internet, CurtisTaylor and follow Curtis on Instagram. His Instagram is at Curtis D Taylor. So, but yeah, once again, Curtis, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you guys, man. Thank, thank you, you guys for having me. It's awesome to hear the tunes, and we're looking forward to all the new music that's going to be coming our way via CT. So, next time you have something coming out, you're welcome back on the show anytime. Yes, yeah, sure, all right. So. And I'll you'll be
4: forty great. when when that happens. Somewhere. And I'll be forty. <laughs> Everybody's giving me a
3: hard time. My birthday's <laughs> coming up on tax day nice so paying dues for real (laughs) now i'm really paying the dues oh wow we're we're gonna take it out with one last tune uh from from hashtagged but uh maybe you can introduce this one curtis
4: uh yeah so this is a very popular and kind of a hot button issue as well um on social media and this one's called black lives matter and clearly since i'm an african-american this is close to my heart and i uh got a great lyricist and um, uh, spoken word artist by the name of Kendrick Dow to uh, kind of put pen to paper. And uh, this is what he came up with, and Black Lives Matter. Where's Kendrick from? Uh, He's originally from Houston, Texas, I believe. Okay. Oh. He, he lives here in oh, San okay. Diego, but...
0: I've seen him, yes, yeah. I've, I've seen him. He's the leader of lyrical groove groove yeah I've seen him also just freestyle and he's he's amazing to watch and amazing to hear. yeah, he's such yeah. a like nice kind like soul too like oh
4: yeah, he's, he's a great cat, he's a great great guy to be around and you know and has some very uh you know you'll hear in the lyrics' it's some very uh I, I just like what he does with with words and the pictures that he paints,
0: you know well, let's hear it. This is hashtag black Lives Matter.
2: Twilight zone. Click my heels, I wanna go back home. Was only working for a good life. So how I end up in the twilight? We must be living in the twilight zone. Click my heels, I wanna go back home. Was only working for a good life. So how I end up in the twilight zone? So I told myself, this has to be a trap. Music over saturating the airwaves with the turn up, done turn me into a lyrical Nat Turner preaching to all the tribes, so we can Wu-Tang, De La Soul, and Goody Mob, deep. But when you UGK and nwa apparently, that's enough to justify being unjustly police. We must be living in the twilight zone, click my heels, I wanna go back home. Was only working for a good life, so how I end up in the twilight? We must be living in the twilight zone. My heels. I wanna go back home. Was only working for a good life, so how I end up in the twilight zone? When you can see the smoking barrel and the shooter by the gun. But justice can't touch the man with his finger on the trigger Dancing in a pool of blood Under the spotlight of the sun Can't even tease a taste of conviction When you see whole communities go stoic stoic. burying their families like a daily routine When you hear the sound of souls being systematically sold to death's shepherd But can't feel enough faith to feed your prayers Cause you might as well Be living in the devil's lair Sooner or later It's bound to awaken something inside of you At least I hope I hope it your internal Jesse Owens, Jesse Williams, or even your Jesse Jackson. Whatever pushes you to action. So, as for me, I'm about to tell my inner Malcolm. You know what that means? It means I'm seeking change. And it's gonna come by any means. Not the situation sadder. I'm hearing chatter about all lives matter versus black lives matter. But if all lives matter, then where your tears Where's your pain? What's your stance? What's your plan when it hits the fan? Why you ain't mad when the black lives die? Why you ain't sad when they parents cry? Why my son? Why my kid? Why these cops didn't let him live? He wasn't the blood, he wasn't the crib. When if and if he was, he's still my kid. Why my son? Why my kid? Why these cops didn't let him live? He wasn't a blood, he wasn't a crib. But even if he was, he's still my kid. He's still my
1: kid. You've been listening to the San Diego Sessions podcast, brought to you by Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. Please subscribe now on iTunes or listen online at DirtyBoulevardRecording.com. Theme music composed by Ed Kornhauser. Performed by Ed with Grant Fisher guitar, harley Magzino bass, Ian Tordella saxophone, and Charles Weller drums. If you'd like to be a guest on San Diego Sessions, please contact us. All musical selections are used by permission of the artist. San Diego Sessions is engineered and produced by Ian Tordella, at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company.